Coming up on this week's show, Eastsider stars and creator Kit Williamson and John Hallback are here to talk about the newly released Season 3. Plus, Brandolin has some holiday audiobook recommendations. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome, everyone, to episode 113 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. How are you this week? I'm good. It was, I, a, it was a good week. Yes, it was. I'm good as well. Let's dispense with the the formalities and let's get right to it. Right to the week. Yes. So, in particular, it was Friday, December 1st that had a lot of stuff going on. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, we've mentioned on the podcast, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, that we had a, a moment to guest on a podcast that we were really excited about. Now we could tell you that we got to be on Rachel Heron's How Do You Write podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I was like thrilled to death to be asked to go on that show because I'm a big fan of Rachel's podcast and the things that she does there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love Rachel Two Pieces, and it was a wonderful opportunity to get to talk to her and hang out with her on her show. <laughs> um, so if you just can't possibly get enough of us, you should check out uh, how, the How Do You Write podcast. Yeah, we'll uh, link up to that in the show notes to the specific episode. And you can also check it out at rachelherron.com. I think we're episode 69. Yeah, that was somehow particularly appropriate, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yes. Uh, but it was. it's the first time we've really talked about our writer journey as co-authors kind of outside of this show with somebody who asked all those writerly questions. It was really interesting that um, you and Rachel sort of forced me to admit that I'm an author now. Um, <laughs> um, I am dealing with my own uh, ideas of what's... We just listened to a podcast yesterday. Imposter what? syndrome? Imposter syndrome. I'm dealing with imposter syndrome and you'll hear me on Rachel's podcast sort of hemming and hawing about how I'm still an amateur at this. But the simple fact is that I have a book with my name on it coming out on January 16th. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I need to cop to the fact that I'm now an author. Yes, you by are. By pretty much anybody's standard. Yeah. So I'm working through that. You can you can listen to that uh, episode 69 of the How Do You Write podcast if you're interested in my emotional author journey. <laughs> uh, you also had a big week as well uh, with your current work in progress. Yes, I submitted uh, Codename Winger book number three on Friday. Uh, I think the title might still be tentative. It's called Pop Music right now, but that it may change. Well, there's a reason it's called that. I'm making a face. I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't even, well, I don't know what the book is about. Maybe it's applicable, but I'm like, it's, hmm. It's applicable. It's been named that since the beginning, because okay. in this case, Theo and his family end up, <laughs> I can say a little bit, end up working um, on, a, on a case that involves a the company of a music mogul, who, in fact, makes pop music. So, but yeah, that may change. I may get the, the nice folks at Harmony to help me find a better title for that. 
So we'll see. Right now, it's called Pop Music. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, submitted December 1st. Mm-hmm. Huzzah. Fantastic. And, of course, also on Friday, going back to our co-writing stuff, we revealed the cover for The Hockey Player's Heart, which is Dream Spun number 50, which I think is really cool that mm-hmm. it's number 50. Uh, now, there's a giveaway that's going on over at Love Bites Reviews around the cover reveal. You have the chance to win an ebook copy when it comes out. And then we'll also give you an Amazon gift card for $5 so you can go off and buy something right away to add to your TBR list. Uh, that goes on through Thursday, December 7th over at lovebitesreviews.com. You can find our uh, the link to the cover giveaway. It's still on the homepage today. Um, it may start to roll off as the week goes on, but we've got the link directly to it in this week's show notes. Fantastic. Also, in giveaway news, here's a quick reminder that this is the final week of our Happy Holiday paperback giveaway. And we're giving you the opportunity to win three paperbacks from P.D. Singer's Mountain Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick reminder, also, that this is for our U.S. listeners only. Yes. Uh, as we've said before, we are not made of gold and cannot afford to ship actual physical books uh, overseas. So we're sorry. We'll do something for the overseas folks. Hopefully next year we'll do something we can give away to everybody. Mm-hmm. In order to enter, just go to biggayfictionpodcast.com slash holiday to get your chance to win. This giveaway runs through Sunday, September 10th. December 10th. Did I? You oh, said I September. Said, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. December 10th. Yeah, it's not Keep... running It's not running for nine more months. <laughs> We'll have a little more information on this giveaway a little later in the show. Uh, Now is the time when we thank our patrons. Thank you. Thank you to all of our patrons for supporting us week after week, uh, month after month. We've had uh, an incredible year Mm -hmm. since we've started our Patreon campaign. And we also wanted to welcome Clem to the family. Hi, Clem. She recently joined us on Patreon. Now, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this podcast. Now, for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, we'll give you the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. All patrons also have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly to them. From us to you. Also, any month that we have pledges that cover our monthly production costs, we will produce a special bonus episode, especially for our patrons. Uh, We're going to be doing the December special bonus Patreon episode in the coming weeks. Next week, I think. Uh, Yeah, probably in the next next seven days. So you can get more details on our Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash big gay fiction podcast. Yes. So this week I had the excellent chance to speak to our contributor, Brandolyn. Uh, as routine listeners know, Brandolyn is all about the audiobooks these days. She loves her audio. And so she's given us some recommendations for some holiday audiobooks. So I'm happy to welcome back Brandolyn to the podcast. Hello. Happy Howdy. December. Finally. Exactly. Or- when did it get this far? But, you know, one of the two. Christmas is almost here. That's the happy stuff, right? Yes. And my kids are so f- excited. It's not even funny. That's I keep exciting. thinking that, you know, because they're in school, things will change. And they haven't yet. So we get to, you know, Let have the magic. that magic as long as possible. Exactly. Exactly. 
So yeah. I know you've got a couple of holiday audiobooks to tell us about. What yeah, you, you know What me. have you been listening to? You know me. I'm, I'm an audiophile um, when it comes to books. And I, unfortunately, especially in the gay romance uh, genre, they tend the audiobooks tend to lag behind the ebooks. So what I have for you are two audiobooks that were actually published as ebooks or e-stories last year, but have this season made it to audio, which of course is when I pick them up because audio. And uh, the first one is uh, A Christmas Hex by Jordan L. Hawk. And it's technically the uh, two and a half in her Hex World series, um, witches, shifters, you know, all, all that kind of good stuff. Um, it's a cute little story. It's set in earlier times in New York. Um, I don't get me the lie about the decade, but it's, <laughs> it's historical urban fantasy. And, um, if you haven't read the Hex World series or listened to the Hex World series, I highly recommend it. And I don't like audio. I mean, I don't like historicals, but I adore Jordan L. Hawk's historical paranormals. They're, they're really, really good. They're, they're great stories, great characters. And a Christmas hex can be actually read alone. You're going to miss some of the world building that she did in the first two, but the characters, they're, they're both characters who don't think they deserve what, what lays in store for them. They don't, they don't think they deserve happiness. And so it's set against Christmas, of course, and it's just a sweet story. And if you love paranormal, I mean, I, I recommend the entire series, which is all on audio, and it's narrated, I want to say, by Tristan James, who's one of those that can, you know, read the phone book and make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then the other one I, I actually just listened to this morning while I was working out um, is A Family for Christmas by Jay Northcote. And Jay has been... A favorite of mine since Nothing Serious came out. I think it was Nothing Serious. Anyway, uh, contempor mostly contemporary. You know from the beginning there's going to be a happy ending. They're not full of angst. It's just a sweet story of, you know, two friends and coworkers who inadvertently um, end up in a fake relationship mainly because they don't want to disappoint one of their parents and oh, that's one of my favorite tropes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you gotta, you, you got, especially at the holidays, that's, it's one of my favorites um, as well. Actually another one of my favorite that's not an audio. Oh no, it is an audio. I haven't listened to it this year though. Anyway, I'll get back to that one too. Um, and it's just, it, the one thing is it is very British because Jay is a British gentleman and um, it's just, you know, fake relationship becomes real and set against the holidays, against a family um, holiday celebration. And you, as with 
a lot of those you have to love the the side characters. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's not one that just screams, you know, I'm taking over this story. But they're all fun and they're all loving and they're all they all embrace um, the newcomer to the family. And so it's just a sweet story. The audiobook is like four hours, four and a half hours long, um, which I don't listen to it on one X. So I don't know. It's like an hour and a half for me. But anyway, um, uh, Mark Stedman is the narrator and he, he's one of the better British narrators. Um, and the other one, since we're talking about fake relationships, um, on audio, I haven't listened to it this year, but I adore the story and I will listen to it before Christmas is holiday hoax by Skylar Kate. I adore the story. It's, you know, the fake character, I mean, fake relationship story and you can't go wrong with those. And Skylar's another one that it's, it's a sweet story there's no angst. It's great for the holidays. If you're, I personally, I used to binge watch um, like Hallmark movies mm-hmm. in the holidays, but I don't actually watch TV anymore. I they can't hold my attention anymore. So now I binge listen to audiobooks. So those are three that I love. Um, and if you know, just because we're talking about audiobooks, um, again, another one I haven't listened to, but. And listen to this year, but I listen to every year is Charlie Cochet's uh, North Pole City Tales. Mm. It's her take on the North Pole mythos. Jack Frost, Rudy, uh, Rudy Reindeer. Uh, he, she goes through some of the other reindeers as well. So that's another cute one. I'm yeah. not going to go into detail on that one because it's Charlie. It, it, if you haven't read Charlie yet, you need to, and it's her holiday. Why yeah, not? and North Pole City Tales actually has a book coming out later this month. Yes, yes, I am so excited okay. for that. I have it pre-ordered. I have, and we were talking about uh, just before this, Home for the Holidays by Joe Constantino is another one I love, mm-hmm. uh, narrated by J- Joel Leslie, who everyone, I mean, he he just embodies whatever role he takes. He, he falls away and just lifts the piece up. And so, uh, which also has a sequel coming out that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Some audio for you for the holidays. Very excellent. We will link up to all of those in the show notes, of course. So people can go pick them up for their holiday listening time. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. Merry Christmas Absolutely. to you and your family. You as well. And tell Will Merry Christmas as well, please. Your favorite new YA hero has arrived with Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, the first book in the Codename Winger series. At 16, Theo Reese is the youngest agent for tactical operational support. His way with computers makes him invaluable. He designs new gadgets, helps agents, including his parents, in the field, and works to keep the TOS network safe. But when a hacker breaches the system TOS uses to track agents, Theo is put to the test like never before. Thrust from behind the safety of his desk, Theo must go into the field to put a stop to the hack. He's scared, but resolved because one of the missing agents is his father. And just to make it more interesting, he has to keep everything a secret from his boyfriend and teammates. Can Theo get the job done, save his dad, and make things good with his boyfriend? 
Find Out in Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams. Available in ebook and paperback from Harmony Inc. Press, Amazon.com, and other online retailers. So the pace of reading for both of us slowed up a little bit this week. Um, yeah. Still reading. I'm reading some longer stuff this week, mm-hmm. and I'll probably have some reviews coming up next week. Uh, you, however, have been dipping into the holiday bin still with uh, The Perfect Match. Yes, The Perfect Match by Matt Burlingame. Um, I wanted to talk really quickly about some of my holiday reading. Um I recently had to make a list because <laughs> <laughs> the the holiday portion of my TBR keeps expanding. Uh, so I had to kind of prioritize them. Uh, I printed out a little calendar. He did. From I've seen online, it. <laughs> and I penciled in when I need to read certain books. Uh, there are some new releases that I pre-ordered mm-hmm. that are be going live uh, this next week, and I wanted to be able to get to them first. Um, other than that, I think the only real criteria for my holiday reading this year so far has been if I enjoyed a book by um, those particular authors last year. Now, last year, I read Matt Burlingame's holiday story, The Perfect cookie? No, I'm getting that confused with this year's story. Um, the fortune cookie was yes. was last year's holiday story. This year, Matt has written and given us the wonderful story, The Perfect Match. Now, The Perfect Match is the story of Ira, and it's around the holidays. Uh, and his life in New York City has kind of fallen apart. He's lost his job, and he is forced to go back home to a small town, uh, in part because his tail is between his legs, uh, <laughs> and things in work, New York haven't worked out for him, uh, but also because his uh, father is sick, uh, so he needs to kind of go visit his family. Uh, when he arrives home, he finds out that his father is actually uh, a lot sicker than he was originally led to believe. So he has to deal with his father uh, and the difficult relationship that he has with his mother. And in the moment Ira arrives home, uh, his mom says that I'm going to be busy taking care of your dad. You need to go to the family business and take care of that. Uh, His mother has run a small local gift shop for many, many years. Uh, and currently, um, uh, his, uh, her, her business partner is having some problems and she wants Ira to go keep an eye on things. Mm. Now, unfortunately, uh, his mother's business partner is Colton, the, uh, boy from next door that Ira grew up with. Uh, he's also Ira's, Ira's sort of the bane of his existence, uh, for you know, many, many years while he was growing up. Uh, Colton gave Ira an incredibly difficult time. So <laughs> Ira is not planning on having a very, very happy holiday. Um, <laughs> he, so he goes into the family business to see what's what, uh, and he realizes some rather grave mistakes have been made. Um, there's some missing funds. There have been, you know, some big mistakes with ordering merchandise from the store. Plus, he has to deal with all the 
feelings that he has, you know, having to deal with his bully now that, you know, they're both grown up and have supposedly moved on. Um, Ira's having some difficulty with that. I think a good part of the perfect match is really about Ira's journey and not necessarily forgiving and forgetting, but realizing that sort of the hurt and anger from the past isn't helping him now in the future. Mm -hmm. The difficulties that he's had with his mom, basically his entire life, and the difficulties that he had with Colton growing up aren't necessarily the situation now. Mm -hmm. Um, His mom has changed, especially now that she's taking care of Ira's father. Uh, And Colton has actually changed in the years that Ira has been away. So Ira and Colton have to kind of set aside their differences and team up, fix the business, and prepare for the big town holiday festival where the store is going to have a very profitable booth there. Um, That's where the store makes the bulk of its money during the holiday season. Mm -hmm. So they have to team up uh, and take care of that. Uh, And while they're, you know, doing that, and working through their problems, they grow closer and uh, they get to know one another better uh, and they start to uh, fall for each other. Uh, And that's basically the story of The Perfect Match. Um, There is um, a happy ending uh, concerning Ira's father uh, and his ill health at the end of the story. So all's well that ends well for Ira and his family. I highly recommend The Perfect Match by Matt Burlingame. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. That's very cool. I would I, I want to try to get this read before the holidays because I so love Matt's story from last year. Mm-hmm. It's um, re- really, really good. Yeah. Cool. Um, just a quick note on some reading. Uh, I, I had some stumbles earlier in the week. I had actually two stories that I didn't finish. Um, one I kind of knew right away. It's like, eh, this isn't for me. So I set it down. Another one I invested a little more time in because it was a relatively popular author and I got to around the 40% mark and I set that one down as well because it just wasn't, you know, given, it wasn't giving me what I needed. Uh, and that's okay. I did feel a little bad because I had to, you know, time is precious (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I invested some time in these stories. Uh, but overall, uh, you, you know, it is what it is, you know, not every story is, you know, something you're going to fall in love with. Yeah. So I, I actually had a stumble this week too. I, I read a I read a novella mm-hmm. and I I actually finished it, but it was not it was not what I needed. It wasn't what I wanted. Um I kept hoping it would get somewhere and it didn't. Uh as as podcast listeners may know, I'm a little more tolerant of trying to get through a book than than this one over here is. <laughs> um I wish I'd taken your advice on that book because that is one that you had backed away from. Yeah. Um, and I knew that going in. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, let's shift over to some TV business. Yes, let's talk about some television. Uh, Want to give a quickie awesomeness shout out to the Crisis on Earth X uh, big superhero crossover that aired this past week on the CW. Mm-hmm. Um all of the characters mashed up together, um, coming together for the wedding of uh, Barry Allen, who's the Flash, and Iris West. And, of course, you can't have a superhero wedding that doesn't go awry. Uh, really quickly here, the plot involved uh, 
essentially Nazis from Earth-53, also known as Earth-X, uh, breaching over to our Earth, or Earth-1 as it's called, and raising all kinds of havoc. Um, and there were doppelgangers for, uh, the, for Arrow and Supergirl, who were really evil and had to go against their... their uh, their Earth One counterparts, and it was it was a really solid uh, four hour event. And one of the reasons I wanted to call it out here, besides the fact that we're Gaga for superheroes, is that there was some very nice LGBT content going on in here. Um, Supergirl's sister Alex Danvers, uh, who recently broke up with her girlfriend on Supergirl, uh, had a really good hookup with Sarah Lance from Legends of Tomorrow. Um, kind of Alex's rebound rebound hookup that she needed, I think. Mm-hmm. They had a, a, a nice couple of moments in there. And then uh, from Earth-X, we were introduced to guest star Russell Tovey, who is portraying the Ray, uh, who's also named Ray. So, yeah, he didn't get big kudos on his superhero name because <laughs> it all kind of combined together. But uh, he appears to be in a long... Uh, a long-standing relationship with Earth 53's Leo Snart, or Leonard Snart, as he's known on Earth One, Captain Cold, uh, portrayed by Wentworth Miller, and so they had some very nice moments as boyfriends in that uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And I know you enjoyed these episodes also. Yes, I liked it an awful lot. I actually preferred this year's crossover to last year's. Mm-hmm. I thought they did an excellent job. Um, I can't think of anyone online who didn't love this uh, this year's crossover to pieces. It was really smartly done, very well done. Uh, everyone got their moment to shine. So kudos to you, CW. Yes. Good um, job. If you want to catch this now, you can pick up the individual episodes on both iTunes and uh, Amazon for, I believe, about two ninety nine episode. Or I'm really hoping they do a DVD that just mashes this together into one movie. Because mm-hmm. uh, I would buy that in a heartbeat. Also this week, you managed to watch a concert uh, that's exclusive on Netflix right now. Yes, I am a Barbara Streisand fan. Um, and she has The Music, The Memories, The Magic, uh, which is, uh, as you said, exclusive on Netflix. This is from her 2016 concert tour where she was out supporting her Encores album that she did with uh, duets with a bunch of movie stars. Uh, this was shot in Miami and, uh, just about a year ago. It's from December 2016. Uh, and she's doing essentially something from each of her top 10, uh, or sorry, number one albums throughout her uh, multi-decade career. I did not realize that she is pushing 75 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, her voice is not what it once was. Um, I think that's widely acknowledged. She doesn't hit all those high notes that she used to and those power notes, but she still she's managed to put her voice into a nice spot where it's just really nice to revisit these songs with her. Lots of stories here, lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Jamie Foxx joins her uh, for Climb Every Mountain, which was their duet from the Encores album. And there are also versions I loved. There were some pieces in this that I just really was just all gaga for. Uh, Papa Can You Hear Me, which is a longtime favorite of mine, was really well done here. Uh, She did Being Alive uh, from the Broadway show Company which was a stunning version of that. And also, I really love the music she does from the A Star is Born, always. Uh, of course, that includes the hit Evergreen, which she won the Oscar for, uh, and that is in this show. But she also did With One More Look at You, uh, which is part of the finale of A Star is Born. And I was just like, oh, it made me so happy. Uh, I wish she'd done the other half of that song, which is Are You Watching Me Now? But that wasn't there, but that was okay. Um, I really like this. If you're a Streisand fan, 
check out the music, the memories, the magic on Netflix, I think you will quite enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. Also, not too long ago, uh, we supported uh, Where the Bears Are, season six on Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. uh, and we received our backers DVD in the mail. Uh, We have now had the chance to watch the entire season. Uh, Super duper hilarious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Highly (laughs) recommend you check out uh, Where the Bears Are season six, if you haven't already. Um, This year, uh, the boys find themselves embroiled in another murder mystery. Um, Just, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so it's so ridiculous and weird, and uh, I love them to pieces. I I really enjoyed this particular season. It was really funny. Yeah, and I, there were really two things going on in the season two because there's there's did or did not uh, I believe it was Nelson shoot somebody on the set of uh, MRU, which is Male Rape Unit, uh, kind of their spin on Law and Order SVU. And then also what's going on over at the IQ channel and uh, that channel being taken over by other people. It was just, I loved it. I think it's my favorite season that I've seen thus far. Mm-hmm. And now we have not seen all the seasons. We'll just cop to that now. But of, of the, this is our third one to watch, I believe, in its entirety. I, I loved it. And our backers DVD was great with all these behind the scenes things and bloopers and a, actually the special 4th of July episode also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Where the Bears Are 6 is currently out, and uh, we'll put some links in the show notes where you can pick that up. Also, uh, quickly, we want to talk about another show that we backed on Kickstarter. It's going to be Eastsiders Season 3. Woohoo! Now, this past summer, we had the chance to go see uh, Eastsiders at Outfest mm-hmm. in L.A. Uh, they managed to sort of... Uh, it was essentially four episodes of the road trip that makes up the bulk of uh, this season three of Eastsiders. We got to see that in a big screen setting, yes, which was wonderful and thrilling. Now, the complete season three is out and available. Uh, we get two additional episodes. One really wonderfully hilarious episode that takes place in Palm Springs, and one that focuses on... Uh, John Hallback's character, Ian, and his uh, you, uh, complicated, let's just say complicated, <laughs> relationship with the women in his life. Uh, Eastsiders 3 is wonderful. It's funny. It's dark. Um, highly recommended, of course. Yeah. I thought, I found it particularly poignant this season, too. Uh, the road trip episodes in particular, which involve uh, Cal and Tom coming leaving New York after having been there for some amount of time because at the end of season two, they took off for New York and now they're, they're like, we're done and they're coming back, but they're doing a road trip across 16 States in a, uh, 1960s, I think it is uh camper. Uh, and it really forces them to look at their relationship and where they've been and where they're going. And I found that particularly powerful and poignant. And while it is still funny, mm-hmm. um, it was really kind of um, some of the best work I believe Eastsiders has done to date uh, with these characters. And really that that relationship reckoning, I think, kind of resonates through the other episodes also. Because the, uh, the couple in Palm Springs, whose name I'm just blanking on right now, uh, also kind of have their, their moment. And then Ian and his complicated relationship with women also kind of have... You know, their moment about going forward and, and what that means to them. 
So loved it. Yes, so if you would like to learn more or watch either of these shows, you can check out the links in our show notes. We highly recommend both Where the Bears Are Season 6 and Eastsiders 3. Check them out. Hiking through the woods in search of the perfect Christmas tree. Sipping homemade hot cocoa in front of a crackling fire. Enjoying the company of gathered friends and loved ones. It's definitely the most wonderful time of year. And we've got the books that will keep you turning pages on those long winter nights. Announcing the Big Gay Fiction Podcast's Happy Holiday Paperback Giveaway. We're giving you a chance to win three terrific books from the Mountain Series by author P.D. Singer. The prize pack includes paperback copies of Snow on the Mountain, Fall Down the Mountain, and Return to the Mountain. To enter, go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at biggayfictionpodcast.com slash holiday. If you can't get enough of stories filled with love, self-discovery, and the great outdoors, then you're not going to want to miss this. Go to biggayfictionpodcast.com slash holiday before the rafflecopter ends on Sunday, December 9th. So speaking of Eastsiders 3, uh, we had the opportunity to have uh, Kit Williamson and John Hallback back to the show. We talked to them almost exactly six months ago mm-hmm. when the Kickstarter was happening. Yep. And we got to have them back to talk about season three more in depth. We're happy to welcome back to the podcast Kit Williamson and John Hallback, the creative forces behind Eastsiders, the series, which has recently released season three. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having thanks us back. Thanks for having us back, you guys. Absolutely. So for for our listeners who've maybe been under a rock or something since we've talked about Eastsiders so much, tell us about what season three, well, let's start with what Eastsiders is in general and what season three has going on in it. Sure. Eastsiders is a dark comedy that we started making back in 2012 about a gay couple and their group of friends living in Silver Lake, California. Uh Spoiler alert, season two ends up with our heroes moving to New York City. So season three that just came out the other day starts off with them saying, screw New York, we're going back to California. And they embark on a crazy road trip that we actually shot across 16 states of these United States of America. Just two gay guys hauling a vintage camper trailer from the 1960s across this great country. (laughs) Yeah, we, we love, because we talked about when you were here uh, back six months ago about the, the excitement that the road trip was and shooting on the road and and all of that. And uh, it was, in fact, almost to the day six months since we talked last. And you wow. were in the final week of your Kickstarter at the time um, to get season three done. And now it's out to the world and has been for about three days, I think. Uh, how's everything gone leading up to the release? Uh, it's been great. We've been excited to get it out there. It seems like people have been excited to see it, which is really nice. And then, yeah, this week came out on some digital platforms and on DVD on Tuesday. And it's been awesome to hear from people who are watching it. We also had a big screening event here in Los Angeles at the Sunset Five Theater on Wednesday night, where a bunch of the cast and crew came out to celebrate and watch some episodes of the new season. And that was awesome, too. Yes, it's been a lot of work, but we're uh, super excited to keep the momentum going and to keep spreading the word about the show. Yeah, absolutely. And the the Kickstarter gave you the chance. There's the road trip episodes, which are four of the six, but the Kickstarter gave you a chance to shoot two more. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about those, because that's all new for the audience. 
Sure. So there's two additional episodes, uh, one that features my character and Brianna Brown's character and Constance Wu and Matthew McKelligan that takes place back in Silver Lake, uh, hometown, meanwhile, in Silver Lake episode. It's a mostly straight episode of our gay <laughs> web series. <laughs> and then there's another episode that actually kicks off the season that features Willem and Stephen Guarino and Matt Wilkes and Max Emerson and is that it? Yeah. Oh, well, and me and Brianna out in Palm Springs, California. Yeah, you're in it too. Right. <laughs> um, and Constance Wu. Yeah, yeah actually, a, I know a lot of people are in it. Actually, Constance is in yeah. it too, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> it's mostly Willem and Steven, and they're incredible in it. It's a great vehicle for them, a great showcase for them. Mm-hmm. And showcase for this incredible house in Palm Springs. It's called Burton House. Uh, the owners of it were fans of the show and actually reached out to us and asked Kit if he'd ever want to shoot something there. So he was inspired by that and wrote this episode to take place mostly there. Yeah, the plot of the episode is that Willem and Steven's character's convertible breaks down in the desert on the way to a drag gig in Cathedral City. And they end up waylaid for the week in Palm Springs. But Steven's character may have a little bit more on his mind than just a vacation. So you'll have to watch to see what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I loved the meltdown on the side of the road. <laughs> it was the real meltdown. We, we actually melted. Having yeah. to shoot that in July. It was right before Outfest, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. And it was 116 degrees outside. It was actually so hot that Willem's high heels melted off of his feet. Like the bottom, the, the soles soul of the shoes separated bottom. from the rest of the shoe. Wow. We were very grateful that everyone made it through that day without storming off set. Yep. They were kind of stranded there. Yeah, that's true. We didn't give them any means of transportation to leave set. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess they could have stolen Steven's convertible and driven that's it true. off set if they really wanted to get out of there. But I think that that would have required both of them to get on the same page. We divided <laughs> and we conquered. <laughs> yeah, I thought the... I really enjoyed the Palm Springs episode. I'm curious that I think... Um, this particular season sort of is thematically about the road trip. Why did you decide to begin the season with Douglas and Quincy in, in Palm Springs? Well, I think in a lot of ways the themes in that episode are kind of a microcosm of everything that's explored in different ways over the course of the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I want to plant the seeds of a lot of those kind of ideas and plot points and Um, you know, see it in a radically different context as the show went on. Um, And uh, I've always thought, you know, it's always kind of been a plan of mine with uh, Willem and Steven's characters to kind of introduce them as the comedic element in the show and then give them grounded dramatic storylines. That's something I always wanted to do. And it was really great to be able to dive into that for a half hour while still being hopefully hilarious from start to finish. Yeah, I'd say mission accomplished on that because it was both. You, they had their deep moments, but it was also hilarious. Um, now, someone so during so much fun. <laughs> someone at the Outfest Q and A uh, called the road trip segments almost like a chamber piece, because especially at that screening, we saw those four episodes all strung together as if they were a feature film, and. I think it's some of the most powerful stuff that Eastsiders has done, kind of showing Cal and Tom on this trip. Uh, Kid, how did you feel about the story as both a writer and an actor to to really dive into that kind of meatiness? 
Yeah, it was really effortless uh, for us as actors. Van and I have talked a lot about that, especially the driving scenes, like these really, really long takes and really long days of just the two of us talking. And it almost, um, you know, kind of became like an acting class uh, class exercise where we were just kind of talking and like noticed the nuance later. Uh, it, it felt like the least labored of any acting I've ever had to do. We didn't have to do much work to just kind of inhabit it. And it also helps that we've been playing these characters now for, you know, at that time, four years. So we, uh, we definitely have a shorthand with one another that made it really easy. As a writer, I was a little scared of it because, you know, you, uh, you don't want people to get sick of your characters. You don't want to uh, let your characters talk themselves into a corner. And I was relieved that you know, they still had things to say to one another at the end of the road trip. And I think that that's something that most people who've gone on a cross-country road trip with another person can relate to. Sometimes you run out of steam talking in the first day. And you're like, all right, guess we're on our phones for the rest of the trip. <laughs> Even get reception. Um, but, you know, that's a, a good marker of a great relationship. I feel like most people who've been together for a long time have had to take a, a road trip together. And you really just get those sort of, like, in-depth real conversations uh, and break through different barriers you didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. And I think certainly some of the things that happened on that road trip only helped uh, with the people that they met along the way. And uh, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Do you want to tease some of the co-stars, uh, your guests that we get to see in those episodes? Oh, yeah. We have Wilson Cruz from My So-Called Life and now Star Trek Discovery. He is uh, one half of a gay couple that are, are our uh, folks meet in Portland along with Tuck Watkins, who's going to be in the new um, Boys in the Band, right? Uh, yeah, on yeah, Broadway. On Broadway with Matt Bomer and all those amazing people. Super excited for him for that. Um, we also have Colby Keller playing a handsome drifter who uh, we run afoul of in Oklahoma. Um, Tracy Lords Tracy is Lords back. returns as my mom for two episodes. Mom. And uh, delivers some much-needed comedic relief. Uh, she's just so incredibly wonderful to work with. Um, I feel very lucky every time I get to be on set with her. And have had her in the show for all three seasons has been so cool. Yeah, I think that's... And Jonathan Lisecki returns oh. as the um, uh, sexually lascivious uh, <laughs> STD counselor. <laughs> and, of course, we should mention that uh, Constance Wu has been in in the news a lot lately, getting the cover on Entertainment Weekly um, yeah. for that movie. We saw you hold that up, of course, in your one of the live feeds that you did this week. <laughs> We're really excited for her, really excited for that movie to come out. Such an exciting big break for her. Yeah, and very deserved, and she is just killing it right now. I'm so, so excited for her. Ian, I wanted to ask really quickly, um, you mentioned before there's essentially a uh, uh, a single episode uh, in this particular season. It focuses on your character and uh, uh, the his. Let's face it, his kind of screwed up relationship with women. So I'm I'm sort of curious. Uh, what's the deal with Ian and, and women? What's that about? <laughs> oh man, it's hard for Ian because he's a sweet, well-meaning, like very easygoing guy who finds himself attracted to these really complicated sort of, uh, uh, how would you say? Volatile. <laughs> Volatile, <laughs> challenging women. And he's constantly sort of testing them and testing himself in his uh, reserve against their their outbursts and 
demands and uh, seeing where he lies and all that. But um, this was a really cool episode to shoot. Uh, Ian is still with Hillary, but Constance Wu, uh, Kathy comes back to town. So it was cool to get to have all three of those characters together in the same city and navigate how their relationships and friendships are growing and changing. That's a very good way to put it with giving no spoilers along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Any plans for a season four yet? We just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, uh, you know, we're focusing on just rolling out this season right now and never say never. I certainly have more ideas and would love to keep working with every single one of these actors. So it's a, it's more of a logistical and financial question than anything. Um, and also, you know, tapping our reserves in terms of our exhaustion. Because <laughs> we really learned this time, uh, more than previous seasons even, um, just how much work was going to be required of us in making six half hours without the backing of a studio or a network. Because nobody, you know, provides a structure for us. Wolf Video provides distribution for us and some financing. But um, it's still, at the end of the day, us putting together marketing materials and coordinating press efforts and uh, handling the actual physical delivery of hard drives to film festivals and things of that nature. Um, you know, my post team burning Blu-rays to send to our distributor and things like that. It's, it's still like a full-time job for us. So it's, uh, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a question mark as to like <laughs> your own bandwidth and, and how much you can do because we still are kind of, Uh, this tiny, tiny team. Because we actually did that crazy road trip, it was actually the tiniest team we've ever had. Uh, Season one, we had more people. Season two, we had a lot of people. And season three, we had to pair way back because there's no way we could afford to drag anyone else across the country. There were just six of us who did that trip, including Van. Um, So yeah, there are only three of us off camera and Kit and Van and then yeah. Guy. yeah, and then one of the consequences of that is that we had far fewer producers. Um, you know, obviously all our amazing Kickstarter producers and some people who helped, but like nuts and bolts stuff of managing the rollout has really been a two-man band, so mm. a lot of work. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely interested in keeping these these stories going. And something really cool to me about having an LGBT story that um, has lasted five years. Mm-hmm. Because we uh, we get so few stories to begin with, and to be able to track characters' development over numerous important life events and stages of their lives, like the characters are enter- entering their 30s, and they're just in a completely different place, maturity-wise, and emotionally, and, and physically, I have a cool haircut now. <laughs> um, so lots has changed, a, lot, a lot has changed with all of the characters since season one. It's true. I never, you know, when we made season one, I never thought, oh, they're so quaint and innocent. (laughs) Looking back now. Speaking to all the work that you guys do behind the scenes, is the stripped down production of season three preferable? Now that you have three entire seasons essentially kind of under your belt, do you think maybe going smaller like you just have done? Is that sort of a preferable way to move forward no (laughs) (laughs) maybe somewhere in the middle okay i mean it it depends on what the actual content is right like Mm -hmm. if we had people on the road we wouldn't have been able to do it you know like having a third car and the 
logistics of, you know, coordinating even just lunch for 15 people, that's somebody's full-time job. So, you know, it's easier for us to like prep a, a pot of chili and some like side dishes in the morning before we shoot and not have to have a caterer on set when you're only trying to feed five people. It's not really a possibility when you're trying to coordinate dinner for 20, mm-hmm. um, which is the kind of set that we had on season two because we were all kind of in, you know, Los Angeles locations and, uh, you know, not really having to travel mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely having a bigger team provides a lot more support, um, but then it also creates additional work too. So it's a it's kind of a, a balance would be nice, something in between. Yeah. <laughs> Did your team at least increase a little bit for the sh- the two additional shows you shot after the road trip? Yes. And yeah. how many did we have in Palm Springs? Like ten people. Yeah. We didn't we didn't want to you know overdo it there either because with you know every new crew person that we added we had to figure out a way to house them had to pay gas mileage to get them to Palm Springs and all of that and of course you literally have to pay to feed somebody. In addition to what you pay them, you've got to pay to feed them, house them, and in this case, also uh, gas mileage to get them to Palm Springs. Uh, um, we had a, a, about 10 on set for uh, for cats too, right? Yeah, maybe less. Depending on the on the day. Like yeah. Definitely the on-location stuff, we had more people. We had hair and makeup, which we didn't have on the road. I had to go back to my season one habits of doing that myself on the road. <laughs> If it's bad at points, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's interesting to know that you paired it back, and it makes sense why it got paired back. Even though this season, in a lot of ways, is your biggest season because of the road trip. Yeah, I mean, it, we kind of, it was kind of a trade. Like it, in terms of number of locations that you know had to be like confirmed ahead of time and things like that. In season two, we had a a massive number of locations in LA. Did a lot of company moves. But the big hurdle of season two is the number of actors. I'd say end of the day during our taxes, there were like 50 actors in season two compared to like 10 in season three. So um, different challenges again, for sure. Uh, but I, I hope that it feels bigger. I feel like we um, we, we kind of conceptualized it this way and, and kind of took this risk because we always want to make sure that the show feels like it's growing and expanding and evolving and, and not like we're repeating ourselves. Um, so we, we wanted to kind of like say, well, what's something that we can do that maybe a network television show can't do? And the road trip was part of that answer to that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that it, cause it, it's, it's, I like how it feels bigger because of the road trip, but also that intimate thing too, because so much of it is, just you and Van and, you know, the stuff that happens out on the road. So it was a nice balance of things in, in my view. Well, that's exactly what I want to hear. So. <laughs> What's coming up next for both of you that's, you know, now that you're done getting season? Well, not done because I'm sure you've got other stuff to do to roll this out more. <laughs> but once Eastsiders 3 is kind of out and, you know, kicking along, what's next for you guys? Yeah, well, it's never done, but it's out there. We also, uh, this month, launched a gay men's lifestyle blog called Where Gentlemen Go, focusing on travel and fitness and home and fashion stuff. So that's up and running. We're going to continue working on that. You can check that out at wheregentlemengo.com. Mostly features kind of 
profiles and interviews with uh, kind of influential gay men talking about their, um, you know, their hometown or vacations that they've gone on or um, brands that they love, what they do to design their houses, things like that. So um, that's something we're really excited about. We have an ongoing travel series with Out Magazine. We've been filming some more for them, uh, working with different tourism boards to shoot uh, videos uh, documenting trips that are for LGBT, like LGBT friendly trips and tourism boards and cities. And uh, I had a project that was just in the Sundance New Voices Lab um, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that. It's a queer 30-something set in New Orleans um, called Trying, which I'm super excited to explore more. I learned a lot in the lab, and I'm excited to develop this with them. That's very cool. Hopefully we get to see something of that in the coming months and years, potentially, just given how long development times can be. But the the lab sounds really interesting. Did that even give you more things to think about, like on your Eastsiders with your Eastsiders hat too, for where season four could go if if that happens? Oh, for sure. I mean, it was just a really generative experience. I feel like um, most of what the lab focused on was actually kind of creativity itself and how do you spark creativity. And I really learned a lot. And we had um, people like Joan. Darling and uh, Joan Tewksbury, uh, the director of uh, like so many classic episodes of um, television. Joan Darling, like doing like the one of the original Mary Tyler Moore Emmy Award winning episodes. You said it was Chuckles the Clown. Right? Chuckles the Clown, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed by that. Impressed. Um, <laughs> That's very also, cool. <laughs> yeah. Learning from all of the uh, the other lab fellows was super cool because uh, they all have different backgrounds. Some come from the YouTube background. Some come from a more traditional storytelling background like I did. And some are, you know, this kind of like wild card option C. Like there was a, a pair of animators who were working on a project uh, about a um, – a uh, man imprisoned in a gulag in uh, Cold War Russia being forced to write a state propaganda tour, like a children's show. So it was like interspersed clips of this children's show with this gulag, and it was all animated. And super cool to get to like see the different things that people are working on that are kind of on the cusp of breaking through, and hopefully they all do. Hopefully, yeah. That's awesome. So tell folks where they could pick up season three of Eastsiders. Uh, the DVD's out at all the usual locations. Uh, where are the digital copies they can grab if they need one? I'd say iTunes is the main place to go. And please leave a review if you have a second. It really helps people find the show um, if you liked it. If you don't like it, you can really just, you know, <laughs> keep that <laughs> Keep that right there in your throat. <laughs> Uh, iTunes is the main place that we direct people to. It's also on Google, Google Play um, and Amazon and um, I think Vudu. Vimeo. And if you're international outside of Canada, the UK, and the United States, we recommend people check out Vimeo right now because it is available worldwide on Vimeo. Cool. Any streaming plans or things coming up for a streaming? Because like, seasons yeah. one and two are still on Netflix, right? Yeah, seasons one and two are on Netflix. Season one is a couple of other places as well. And we hope to have an announcement about the other uh, additional streaming partners soon. Cool. We'll let our audience know about that uh, when that news comes out. John and Kit, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. And uh, continued best of success on the season three launch. Thank you. Thank you. Continued success and happiness to both of you as well. <laughs> 
Thank you once again to Kit and John for stopping by on the show, giving us sort of a behind-the-scenes peek at how Season 3 of Eastsiders got made. Yeah, and particularly thank you for coming during uh, launch week, because they were they were busy boys. Yes, indeed. Okay. <laughs> um, so, guys, coming up in Episode 114 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, Aaron Kayan, the creator, writer, and voice actor from the Love & Luck Podcast, will be here talking about the romance that plays out on this very special weekly podcast. Yes, uh, we mentioned this show uh, back when it launched. It was great to talk to Aaron to find out the whole process uh how the show evolved, and uh, how it all kind of came together for them. Mm-hmm. And he's already working on season two. He spent NaNoWriMo on writing season two. Good for him. Yeah. And by the way, NaNoWriMo wrapped up last week. If you did NaNoWriMo, whether you ended up with 1,000 words, 50,000 words, or something above that, good on you for doing it. You've got more words now than you did before. And congratulations. Congratulations? What is that? I don't know. Congratulations to everyone who won <laughs> NaNoWriMo as well. Indeed. So, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, guys, keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 